Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of BBP News. I'm Nicholas Rod. Chris Baker's here with me, and we are back for another Friday morning episode. Chris, start us off in the normal fashion, like we always do, by giving us the weather headed into this weekend. In Los Angeles, California, it is 73 and sunny with a mostly sunny weekend. In Houston, Texas, there are scattered showers, 67. With a mostly sunny weekend, and in Chicago, Illinois, it is cloudy, 35, mostly sunny. And in New York City, it is partly cloudy, 51, with snow and rain throughout the weekend. Oh, joy. But you know, Chris, I can't believe it's already Friday. This is ridiculous. I'm so glad. This is ridiculous, though. Like, this week flew. Absolutely flew. It's been an odd week. That's an understatement of the century. Um, Yeah, it's just, it hasn't been like the typical week. Well, and you know what the trippiest part about it was, is I wake up Monday morning, no power. Absolutely no power. There were huge storms that came through Sunday night into Monday morning, and eventually it just knocked out the power for like 300 homes in the area. Uh, Very next morning... You have the same issue, only slightly different uh, uh, fault for the power Yeah, outage. you know, usually, um, you know, it's usually like man, they'll say man-made or nature-made, dad-made, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Nick's was uh, nature-made. Mine was more man The Yours was man-made. Yeah. yeah, someone came around the corner and took out our pole right out in front of my house. Um, and that just unleashed a whole nother mess that's a story for another time yeah so it's been a very interesting week to say the least uh the rest of the week flowed by with relative ease yeah i i would i mean compared to the beginning of the week sure yeah yeah when you compare the two it's night and day but so um you know we were talking about last time we talked about a poll uh-huh. um it was valentine's day so right. i found something similar okay. this one's really not a poll it's a study oh okay but it still got my attention mm-hmm. um i know you and me have been playing wordle anyone check my twitter account you'll be you'll see uh, yeah. that, that we play it's wordle wordle quite often. constantly almost every yeah. day and and i gotta ask you do you think some of the words are hard i yeah there, there's one day I always remember in particular where we discovered a word. The word ended up being tacit, and I had never heard of the word tacit before then. We got a lucky guess. <laughs> yeah, and um, I think that was on our sixth one. It was, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason you might think that some of the words are hard is because you're stupid. According to the study. <laughs> okay. So this new study from Compiler Word Tips is that the United States on the world stage does not do so hot with the daily word. Oh. So breaking it down first <laughs> in the United States, there's a top mm. 10 list of average guests. So everyone knows there's six. Mm-hmm. Um, guesses, and yeah. they broke it down in the United States by city of who does the best down to the who does the worst top ten. Okay, so number ten is Nashville, Tennessee. Okay, 
They usually get it in four guesses. Okay, so ten is four guesses. So wait, so we're going worst to best. So I swear, it's, I swear, if there's a city that has it in two, <laughs> well, so to be more technical, there's it's in the fourth box, but it says on average three point six six guesses. Okay. Number nine is Washa, Wisconsin, with three point six four. Yes. Okay, so going up by tiny increments here. And then number eight is Portsmouth, New Hampshire, 3.64 guesses. So they're tied. They're tied. Richmond, Virginia, 3.63 for number seven. Okay. Number six is Tulsa, Oklahoma at 3.62 guesses. <laughs> All right. The tiny increments. Yeah. Uh, Berkeley, California. 3.61 guesses. Hmm. All right. In Arbor, Michigan is 3.59. Hmm. All right. So we're we're under 3.6 now. Yeah. Reading Pennsylvania. I was that one I was not, you know. Huh. Honestly, I got to say none of these I would really expect. I mean, yeah. I've haven't even heard of a lot of these places. Reading Pennsylvania 3.56. Mhm. And number one, drumroll, please. St. Paul, Minnesota, 3.51. St. Paul, Minnesota, huh? Definitely, that that wouldn't have been my first guess. That probably wouldn't have been my 20th guess. Uh, yeah, I, I don't... I, maybe we're just not cultured enough, Nick. I, I mean, I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> so... Then the next one, they break it down, and there's another 10, and it's by city and different countries. Oh, okay. So That's number 10 is Geneva, Switzerland, 3.72. All right. Number nine is Molina, I think it is, the in the Philippines, 3.72. All right. Number eight is Adelaide, Australia, at 3.71. All right. Number seven is in Australia again. Melbourne, Australia, like I said, 3.7. Mm-hmm. Australia again. Whoa. Perth, Australia, 3.7. Okay. Paris, France, 3.69. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dubon, South Africa, 3.66. Okay. Malmo, Sweden, 3.66. Number two is in Israel, Okay. Um, at 3.66. And then number one, Australia, 3.58, Canberra, Australia. Australia is all over the list. Australia is destroying the, the top 10 there. Wow. Yeah. I guess you know, they're smarter than all of us. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, though, because a lot of the... A decent number of the cities that you said there in the U.S. would have fallen in this top ten, like a, a, a within these other countries. So not bad, U.S. Not yeah. bad. And we're in New York, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, New York averages in three point eight four guesses. Okay. You know. Um, I'll take that. <laughs> some other states: Florida, three point nine seven. Mm-hmm. 
Texas, 3.92. Mm-hmm. California, 3.9. Hmm. Alaska, 4.22. You know what? Here's the state that does the best in the entire country. Oh. North Dakota, 3.65. North Dakota taking the cake. And I'm looking right. throughout this whole list, and the United States averages in the threes. You know, that's pretty good. That, Any that states is not that you're like, need to know? You know, th- this has been very enlightening. Uh, I don't I don't think I have any other states that are that pique my interest. You know, I find it very surprising. Some of them. Yeah, th- this has definitely been enlightening. Uh, just Wordle in general, whether you're looking at stuff like this or playing the actual game, uh, it's so much fun to play. <laughs> yeah, um, it is. And it's kind of a nice way to start your deck. Oh, yeah. And the thing that makes it tough, and I do appreciate this, though, is the fact that there are words that they use that are traditionally, like, very British English type words. Uh, You know, I think of, like, swill and bloke, and I feel like there was one other one that we had that was just, like, very British and I'm surprised we got. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I guess we've just gotten lucky, I guess. There definitely has been some luck, yes. Yeah. Um, and we have a nice little streak going. And every time, there's been a few times I've had to play by myself. And there's been a few times that I'm like, <gasps> if I ruin the streak, I swear to God. Right. We get scared. Yeah. But um, we got plenty of news to get into. Hey guys, Nick here with just a bit of an editor's note. So what you're about to hear was recorded a little bit before the Senate voted on the omnibus bill. However, on Thursday night, they did vote on the bill and it passed by a vote of 68 to 31. And it will now go to President Biden's desk for him to sign. Our government is scheduled to shut down today, March 11th, unless Congress passes the estimated $1.5 trillion government spending bill or pass another continuing resolution to keep our funding status quo until they can pass the spending bill. Included in the current omnibus bill is to fund all government agencies plus one added spending item. The added expense is a $13.6 billion request to humanitarian aid for our U.S. troops who are deployed to Eastern Europe. There was another $22.5 billion in the bill for the COVID response, but that was stripped out of the final bill. This year's spending budget is over 2,700 pages long. The bill has come with great bipartisan support. The bill is broken down into defense funding and domestic funding. The defense funding got an increase of 5.6% and domestic got an increase of 6.7%. This year's spending to keep the government funded through September had a final vote in the House of 260 to 171 and the added defense passed with a vote of 361 to 69 The bill is now currently in the Senate for debate and then a vote. If the Senate wants to make any changes to the bill, they will pass a continuing resolution that has already passed in the House. 
because if any changes are made in the Senate, it will need to go back to the House for another vote, and it will not have enough time before today's midnight deadline. The House is continuing resolution that they passed will keep the government funded through March 15th. The Ukrainian president has been repeatedly been asking for a no-fly zone over Ukraine, but NATO is not uh, stepping up to enforce one. At this point, we have all seen the devastation in Ukraine partially caused by Russian airstrikes. The Ukrainian president says a no-fly zone would effectively shut down those types of attacks and shield his people and give them a fighting chance on the ground. But NATO and our United States allies have repeatedly said no, and there will be no NATO allies boots on the ground in Ukraine or in this case in the sky, flying over Ukraine fighting a war. The only way you can enforce a no-fly zone is to eliminate the planes that are violently attacking the airspace. If NATO planes and allies did this, it would potentially put them in the situation where they need to shoot down Russian aircrafts. assessment is that uh, we understand the desperation but we also believe that if we did that, we'll end up with something that could end in a full-fledged war in Europe, involving many more countries and uh, causing much more human suffering. So that's the reason why we make this painful decision. That was Hans Stallenberg, the NATO Secretary General, last week. The president of Ukraine on Friday delivered a speech attacking the NATO decision, saying it essentially gives the green light to Russia to continue their airstrikes. In this same speech, he also thanked NATO countries that have shown support for Ukraine. Even though the no-fly zone is a no-go, NATO allies continue to insist they will protect every inch of NATO territory. NATO announced last Friday that they were placing 132 jets and 100 ships on high alert and ready for deployment. On Monday, high level of negotiations between Russia and Ukraine, Foreign Minister, for the first time since the fighting started, have scheduled a conversation for Thursday, which we will get into that more in a minute. Russian state media says there is a proposed Cease fire in five Ukrainian cities for citizens so they can safely leave the country, which started on Tuesday. The U.S. deployed another 500 U.S. troops to different NATO allies across Europe. Also, a bipartisan group of Senate, House Democrat, and Republican seem to be inching closer to impose their own sanctions package on Russia and Belarus. The group announced a new bill that would include several things, including increasing tariffs on Russian imports, suspending normal trade relations, and ultimately banning Russian oil. We have more on that in just a minute, though. And the Pentagon, in the meantime, confirmed a report that Russians have indeed started recruiting foreign fighters, including from Syria, to help in their efforts of invading Ukraine. As we told you last week, Putin put his nuclear forces on special alert when it started to become clear that the majority of the world was supporting Ukraine. While talk of nuclear weapons got many people concerned around the world, and understandably so, 
According to the Director of National Intelligence, who testified at a public hearing on Tuesday in front of the House Intelligence Community, it's more like he's trying to rattle people versus bluffing. Director Avril Haines said the intelligence community has not seen any different escalation from Putin's nuclear posture than we have seen from him in any other conflict or situation. Our analysts assess that Putin's current posturing in this arena is probably intended to deter the West from providing additional support to Ukraine. That was the director, Haynes. She also said she believes the assessment is that Putin does not want to go to head with NATO allies in the United States in the military sense, but does want to stop us from interfering in Ukraine because he's confident without our help, Ukraine will fall and his military will win. The CIA director and the DNI both confirmed Putin has become increasingly frustrated with the lack of progress in Ukraine and will most likely double down on more brutal acts. Putin sees this as a war he cannot lose, but he may shift what he sees as a win as he continues to suffer losses of his military and from his sanctions. Our intelligence agency also says in the next few weeks will be the worst for Ukraine. Tuesday, the president announced the U.S. would ban all Russian oil imports, a move House, Senate, Democrats, and Republicans all support fully, knowing it will impact our gas prices. Gas prices are high now, and yes, they will likely go up. For how much and for how long is up to Putin, and how long he wants to pursue this invasion into Ukraine, and how creative the U.S. and European countries can get at plugging crude oil supply gaps. As we said before, oil distractions in one part of the world can impact gas prices all over the world. Now the discussion is on whether Americans can pump more oil. Well, America can pump more oil, but it is not a light switch you can just turn on and off. Oil production takes time to ramp up, and oil is primarily pumped by private companies on private land. Oil companies say the president has put all this red tape and is pushing more clean energy and moving the country away from fossil fuels. But the president says the oil companies have the permits, the land, and the right to drill, but they just aren't. He also said any company that is found profiteering will be prosecuted. We can import from other countries besides the ones we already do, but the problem is countries like Iran aren't that much better for us politically to align ourselves with. On Wednesday, a maternity ward in Ukraine was shelled by Russia, completely destroying the hospital. This happened during a 12-hour agreed-to time slot for refugees to flee the country and nearby cities. After the attack, the Russian state media played it up without any evidence that it was a planned attack by Ukraine to attract attention from the outside sources and blame more on Russia. And Vice President Kamala Harris landed down in Poland to meet with our U.S. allies. Guy Refid of Texas never made it into the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, but was armed with a semi-automatic handgun and zip ties. He did confront police and waved the mob in. 
Later, after the attack, he was boasting about how proud he was to take part in the attack. But now he is facing decades in prison. He was convicted on all five counts of bringing a gun to the Capitol, obstructing Congress's certification of the election, and interfering with police. The landmark decision gives the Justice Department more leverage over the 500 defendants still facing a prosecution, according to legal experts. Legal experts are also saying that it might also allow the Justice Department to get more plea deals instead of going to trial. Guy's own son testified it against him. He said he tipped off the FBI because he was scared of his father's often rants about the government. After the attack, Guy threatened to kill his son and daughter if either one of them tipped him off to the FBI. Their mother and Guy's wife tells people, do not take a plea deal. She claims they only did a high sentence to prove a point. Meanwhile, the leader of the Proud Boys was arrested on Tuesday and appeared in a Miami court for conspiracy for his efforts in planning the attack. Guy Refid is expected to appeal the decision and he could face up to 60 years in prison. Getting into rapid news, Burger King, McDonald's, Taco Bell, and Pepsi, along with Coca-Cola, Starbucks, Netflix, and TikTok, all announced this week they are closing offices in Russia. Three people were shot Monday afternoon outside East High School in Des Moines, Iowa, leaving one victim dead and two in critical condition. Police confirmed these fatalities. U.S. inflation soared 7.9% over the last 12 months, the biggest spike since 1982. For a full breakdown on the inflation report that just came out, check Monday's episode. Nick, what do you got for this Friday morning good news? Well, you know, Chris, we've had a lot of stories about animals saving people. You know, that's been a, a kind of a running trend lately on the show. Uh, there have been a lot of stories like that. In all kinds of ways, whether saving their life, saving their business, yada, yada, yada. But this time we have kind of the opposite. And honestly, more a story that's just purely adorable. So this family took in a pit bull. Her name was Maggie. And, you know, they were just a foster family for her before she was taken uh, from Louisiana to New York by an animal rescue group. And... So they had Maggie, and the family had two young children, two young boys. Uh, and one of them, his name was Ronan, he's six years old. And when it was time for Maggie to go up north, he wanted to make sure, he wanted to make his contribution and make sure that Maggie found an amazing forever home. So he managed to slip a couple letters and drawings into her paperwork before she was sent off, uh, just detailing how uh, Maggie was, you know, so cute, cuddly, loved kids, loved to play fetch, just all these things. And when Maggie made it up north to the rescue group, uh, the worker that went through her paperwork just was so touched by the whole thing and said that, honestly, it's very rare to see letters from children and to see these types of things from children usually they see letters from adults uh but to see the the letters and the drawings from ronan it was just the most touching thing and a family soon 
thought the same thing because Maggie very quickly found that forever home. And they're actually trying to reconnect with the Foster family so that Ronan and his younger brother can see that Maggie made it up north safely. This is just a cute story more than anything. And then Maggie found her forever home. So it's like a cuteness mixed with happy. It's just... (laughs) It really is adorable uh, how, you know... The six-year-old wanted to do everything he could to make sure that Maggie found that home. You yeah. Know, to write these letters, oh, it touches my heart. And and then it's even happier that Maggie quickly found their forever home. Oh, I know. And then they're setting up like a play date. It, it's, the whole thing just is so adorable, All around so cuteness. touching. Yeah. That is the end of this Friday morning episode. We will be back here Sunday morning with a what you can expect going on the week. And then, of course, Monday morning with a news episode to catch you up on everything that happened over the weekend. But until then, make sure you follow us on BBP News' Twitter account for the latest 24-hour breaking news and check out our Medium articles for the midterm. They are all down in the show notes. But until Sunday morning, have a great weekend, everybody. Bye, guys.